right, how you doing, everybody? Casey Ryan here again for another episode of The Cutting Room Floor, a little podcast that I started to showcase the entertainers and creative types from all walks. Uh, I like to say, if you've got a story to tell or a product to sell, then I want to hear from you. Uh, easiest way to get a hold of me is on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at CuttingRoomMRP, uh, or you can hit me up on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash CuttingRoomMRP. Uh, we're doing it a little bit old school today just because of uh, some technical restraints that we had uh, with people dialing in with Skype and, and whatnot. So uh, they changed the interface on me on TalkShoe. Brand new. It's really cool. I haven't had too much practice with it, so hopefully everything's going to grow well. So uh, I'm also going to be on uh, on the Mix Radio Network at uh, 3 o'clock, and we're going to be talking to Ryan Hendrick about his film, too. So. Uh, all I have to say, the reason that you're listening to this now or now downloading it later is uh, to listen to the ch- two chats that I've got lined up for you on TalkShoe today. And uh, the first one, I was actually kind of really happy to be able to uh, book. Um, I just want to make sure, yeah, okay, I think we got everything going here. So uh, I, the first case that I have lined up for you today is uh, Marcello Orlando. And uh, Marcello is one of these fun people that I've had on a few times over the uh, he's a member of what I affectionately refer to as my repeat offenders club. Uh, <laughs> these are people that have been gracious enough to donate their time to me more than once. Uh, Marcello, just to give you some information on him, is a prolific uh, actor and director uh, who has worked everywhere from D.C. to New York City to West Palm Beach. Uh, he uh, has worked on some very high-profile projects, uh, not the least of which was Lincoln, where he was personally cast by uh, the great Steven Spielberg. Uh, as one of the uh, members of the House of Representatives. Uh, he's also in our, uh, a TV movie called Our Thing, uh, and has also been a prolific uh, actor in soap operas, uh, not the least of which was a, uh, uh, a permanent fixture in the household growing up in the form of another world. Uh, he's also a fellow podcaster and a fellow radio host, and has had a long-running uh, political uh, in, uh, radio show based out of where he is in Charlotte called The Reasonable Voice, which you can listen to on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, and in one of those perfect storm type things with uh, the midterm elections and everything else that's gone on, this, it only made sense to have Marcello back. I mean, you knew that I was going to do this, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so without further ado, the kind of floor happily welcomes back uh, our old friend Marcello Orlando. Uh, Marcello, how are you? I'm just great, Casey, and thank you so much for that introduction and a chance to come back and talk to you on radio. Oh, I've been great. It's, you know, life keeps, uh, every time I even consider uh, taking a break, let alone retiring, uh, <laughs> it comes roaring back with more exciting things to do. Partly, I guess, because I, I keep both feet in politics and in show business, as you alluded to, and um, I love both, and there's always something happening in both. How's that? And I'd like to ask you this. You've been on here, and I think this is your third time. I think it's the third time, but who's counting? I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've been doing this for ten years. I mean, yes. I myself after a while, but uh, I, I'd like to ask you. I mean, given you know how ardently that you feel about politics, and uh, in light of the fact that it's it's perfect circus, I mean, call it for what it is, and us Canadians have had a hell of a time watching it up here, but. Uh, have you ever thought about throwing your hat in the ring and running for Congress yourself uh, at some point? It's It's been suggested a number of times from people whose political opinions 
including my political mentor, I certainly respect, but I think it's my director mentality. I, when I direct a show, I like once it opens to stand in the back of the theater and watch the audience and the actors as they play off one another. I'm not interested in the, the spotlight myself. When it comes on camera, I admit, I love being in films and directing video and, you know, our thing I directed as well as uh, appeared in. I do love that. So people can get me in front of the camera, especially if it's Steven Spielberg, what can I say? But, but I think uh, when it comes to politics, I like being the support. I like being the consultant. I like being, hey, Marcello, I need a phrase for this speech I'm giving in, you know, next week and wherever. And I, I get to know the people who ask for my input uh, in speech writing by, by following their careers and their speeches and having conversations uh, on the telephone with them enough until I get their rhythm, their, their patterns, what's important to them, obviously. And I love that unseen directorial, uh, again, to make the analogy to theater. I, I prefer that when it comes to politics. Yes. Story. I started the Reasonable Voices because of the re-election of Bush Cheney. My European friends believed me when I said it was a fluke in 2000. But once they were re-elected, I got lots of flack from again mostly my European friends who were saying, "How can you excuse this?" And again, so that launched my political writing and radio career. And now, when Bush Cheney looked like turtle doves compared to what we are enduring. I think the my reaction is that, you know, you put Nixon and Cheney and wrap them up and put them on steroids and we get Trump. I, I, I think what I don't like is the media, of which I am a part, as you are, chasing just the superficial headlines. I mean, I get it. You need ratings and all that. We all work for that. But you want to give your audience what they need, and it, and we need a lot more in-depth in consideration and contemplation, okay? So uh, I guess if I, I hope I'm answering your question, if not already, then with this. I think we need to stop making fun of Trump, stop laughing at Trump, stop excusing Trump, and stop smirking at Trump, and realize Trump is deadly serious and the most dangerous combination of someone who not only doesn't know how America, let alone the government, works, but doesn't care. And at the moment, I believe, in addition to not knowing and not caring, he is scared to death. Think of any animal you've ever cornered, even, even your house cat, if he's angry. What happens then? So we need to get serious because he's serious. Now, I, I'd like to ask you, you, you talked about 
touched on this. I was going to bring this up a little bit later, but since you, you called it out for what it is now, I, how much of this, how much truth do you think that there is to the whole concept of fake news, right? I mean, it, it seems that, that anytime he gets a headline that he doesn't like, he just sort of says, well, you know what, I'm going to throw CNN under the bus and, you know, nobody's going to believe him anyway because, you know, he basically markets himself as a single source of truth. Mm. I, I guess... Even if you're president, I mean, are you really in a position to be able to, to lay claim to that legitimately? Well, <laughs> not legitimately. And, and I, the first point I want to make to all my Canadian friends and everyone else listening is that Donald Trump can, can say anything he wishes, but he only, as our recent midterms prove, I believe, he only is, is followed uh, rapidly by a small number of American citizens. Now, it's it's a, a large number, but it's not as large as the majority, let's say. This doesn't mean that it's okay or that, you know, we've won the war because the battle between good and evil goes on forever. But, but it does say that um, he can say, he can call, uh, there's a thing in, in psychology called projection. And Trump is the master of projecting his own sins, his foibles, his, I mean, you know, when you hear him and he's complaining about what certain, what Democrats are doing, what women are doing, what, you know, people of color are doing, whatever, he's blaming, and if you listen closely, he's really describing himself and things that he does on a daily basis, on an hourly basis. Um, now, the other thing I want to say, uh, Yes, I know you feel it. neither healthy nor sustainable. Something's got to give. I, I, I read an article shortly right after, I guess the next day after our midterms, when a someone wrote, uh, progressives are in danger, rise up, you know, because they've only, we've just elected a bunch of establishment Democrats. That to me is as depressing as anything from Donald Trump's mouth. Every we need to mend on both sides. I'll say it, and we need to, in order to mend in in, in its in our entirety, America, like any place else, cannot sustain being a house divided against itself. And I I believe and I hope that this midterm election is a step toward mending, especially when you see who we've elected. That's what I love about America. When Americans get upset, even, and Donald Trump can't even conceive of this, but he will in time, when, and so will Mitch McConnell. But when Americans get upset at the volume at which they are, both in marches and in votes, 
and, and other activity, protests, whatever, petitions, they change what's going on. I know a lot of people think, oh, the, the common man can't do anything. One vote doesn't count. But that isn't true. When, when you really get Americans upset, now sometimes it takes a while to get them that upset, but once they get upset, they start to stand in line, they start to line up, they start to pick it, they, start, they change things. They back down Bank of America and many uh, major institutions that try to dehumanize them. And Donald Trump ultimately will be no different. He will be ejected, rejected from office one way or another. And I don't think he'll make it to 2020, but he might. Nixon was reelected in a landslide after Watergate was being investigated. So you don't know. But I do think uh, Americans have learned from, from Nixon, from their past with Nixon and Bush Cheney and wars that go on forever and uh, children being locked up in internment camps in 2018 in this country. I do think Americans are on the march in every way to change this, and I think we will even see Mitch McConnell bow out before 2020. Now, I, I, you touched on something very interesting there, and uh, I don't pretend to know as much as the average American would, although I'll admit that one of my hobbies is actually reading biographies and autobiographies of past presidents. I think that Anybody who gets elected to that office has got to be a really hell of an interesting human being. Yes, right? yes. Uh, regardless of what side of the political divide that you fall on, it's the most exclusive club on the planet. Mm -hmm. really. um, I, I guess from your point of view, in light of the fact that they retained the majority in the Senate but lost the House, I, I, how much has the needle moved, do you think? Ultimately. Well, I think because, as I said, because of who was elected. First of all, you've got more than 100 women in Congress. So finally, almost, we are uh, enjoying or will be enjoying gender parity. Politically, in both the uh, uh, state and local governments, state offices, state legislatures, I mean, if you look at it just from a narrow lens, and I, I admit that, but if you just look at it from the standpoint that most of America's problems in terms of politics and government and lack of governing and inequity and gerrymandering and red mapping, all of that, come from older white men like me. But, but, but so I think a short-term adjustment we have just made, and that is, okay, if that's the issue, it's like baking a cake. If you keep doing the same ingredients and you expect something different, that's kind of foolish. But we have done something different. We have elected women. We have elected women of color. We have elected LGBTQ candidates. We have elected Native Americans. My God, I thought that would never happen. I've been beating my head against the wall, writing for years about this. And I think in on a state and local office, not only did we elect these people who are, by their physical appearance as well as their politics, embracing everyone and the needs and justice for all, for everyone. But we have also removed in certain key states, even though I know there's recounting uh, going on, of course, in Georgia and Florida, whether they like it or not, but in Kansas, places like Kansas and North Dakota 
and Arizona to a certain extent, Nevada. There are states in America where people who owe their success to dirty money have been removed and no one ever thought they'd be challenged successfully. And yet now they're out of office. And I think that's good for all Americans. This is not about blue versus red as much as we make it out to be. It's not about Democrats versus Republicans. It's about Americans coming to some consensus that we need to stick together for everybody. And when everybody's thinking about the welfare of everybody, that's called unity. Okay, I got you. Well, I'm just saying that if, if what I think the the victories in the midterm election are a sign that we are uh, we have decided a, a majority of Americans have decided that it is time to make a major course correction. And, and I don't mean just because of Trump, because Trump didn't come out of nowhere. Trump came out of a lot of things that I won't go into now, but one needs to just know a little about American history, especially since the end of World War II, as we celebrate today. I am a veteran. I celebrate the end of World War I and all veterans. But if one knows American history since 1945, there was a there was a sea change then when what we now call corporatism decided, hey, we're never going to let somebody like Franklin Delano Roosevelt in the White House again. Here he was, you know, super wealthy guy, and yet he fought for the little people and saved America and the world, et cetera, et cetera. But, but um, I think what we have, we've done now is another major sea change just as impressive, but in the correct direction. A sea change that recognizes every hue, every skin color, every uh, belief or disbelief, every person's right to express themselves, to, to pursue their potential, to contribute from their cultural background to the good of all. I am very encouraged by that. And now, of course, it is for us who did the voting to make certain that everyone delivers on their promise. We don't go home. We stay and stay the course with those we've elected and make certain they indeed do what they said they would do. Now, uh, I'll ask you another question that uh, you can take the card to answer this if you want to, but just in light of the fact that there's almost weekly... Uh, uh, if not bi-weekly or monthly, uh, uh, yes. tragedy that happens in the form of some kind of shooting, right? Yes. Do you think that this White House is giving an empathic enough response, or uh, do you think that more needs to be done? Uh, I guess, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of particularly Pittsburgh, where, you know, the first gut reaction of the guy was that, you know, if there had been an armed drop in the synagogue, then it probably wouldn't have been as bad as it was. So I, I, I guess it's that kind of I think rhetoric. I think if anything is fake news, it's the only thing that can stop a bad man with a gun is a good man with a gun. That is such a fallacy. It is a ridiculous thing. I grew up with a family that was very much involved with guns and hunting and the military. I, I shoot extremely well. 
Uh, I won medals when I was in the army because I was a, whatever they called it, a sharpshooter or something. I don't remember. But, but the point is, we need to be able, we're not a, a nation that generally likes the middle of the road. We are, America, a pendulum swinging back and forth. And I wish we could come up with the wisdom to see that that will never get any uh, settled response to something. But I, but speaking of Trump specifically, I don't think he really, you know, people say he's not comfortable with being empathetic. Well, please, he, he doesn't care enough to be empathetic. And he is serving, I think the only transparency in the guy is that he is what we see him to be. There are secrets going on in the background, I believe, with, right. you know, but, but he is, he doesn't get that acres and acres of California burning and people being burned to death in their cars trying to escape and houses disappearing right on the internet. He doesn't, he doesn't get that. He only sees in terms of what's the deal? Where's the money? What is the financial loss? Is it being managed well? Well, you know, somebody needs to manage Trump a lot better than they're doing. But this thing with these mass murders, we've become, we've always been part of as the wild, wild west country, I know. But this is ludicrous. And, and the, one of the worst things about it is the only time we talk about mental health is when we blame gun violence on the mentally ill. It is not just a mental health issue, but of course it is a mental health issue. But it is also anyone or many, many people can reach a point of anger and frustration and fear that they do something they wouldn't ordinarily do most of the time in their life. When you add an easily accessible firearm to that equation, they suddenly have an immediate release possibility and they are using it. So while I don't think everyone's guns should be taken away or that every gun is the problem, I do think the accessibility to not just the mentally ill, but anyone just having so many guns, it becomes the, the way to people, some people are dealing with their problems. And that is where we need to, to stop it. We've got to stop making it easily possible for someone to express their anger, frustration, and fears with a gun. That is probably the most astute and well-articulated way I've heard anybody putting it much on. I applaud you for that. You know, certainly we have our own thoughts about it up here, and, and uh, you know, we have gun violence, but it's, you know, few and far between, mm. right? But, but we do have it. I mean, I remember when I was in high school, uh, long before Columbine, was there, I mentioned we had one in Montreal where uh, it was a uh, they actually made a, uh, a movie about it. We won multiple polytechnics, but, but uh, I remember thinking that, you know, I mean, I'm as horrifying as that was, that, that you're right, that there has to be some other control on there that, that, um, to address the bigger issues. Is there anybody out there in the political landscape that you find particularly inspiring that is doing a good job or that, that, that can take on the bully? Well, one obvious choice is better. Or are you waiting for somebody? No, I, I think that I think the people are there. We just need to recognize them and help them clone themselves and uh, 
help us educate ourselves about our own civics. But certainly Beto uh, O'Rourke stands out, and oh, and I think all the women. The women who are going to Congress, I just am so thrilled. Every time I hear them, every time I see them on the internet, every time they're on television, I look at them and I listen to them and I go, the reality is that is America. And it's always been America, it's just that it's been oppressed. It's been kept in the kitchen or, you know, kept on the reservation or kept somewhere out of sight, kept in the cotton fields. Well, wake up America because the real America is now on the rise, demanding equality and justice in a way that they have never been permitted before. You know, it hasn't been that long since women have even had the right to vote in the land of the free. Uh. Um, if you can take a side step for a second, I also wanted to ask you, because uh, you, you touched on something uh, really important when, uh, when we were speaking offline there, uh, that you do, you know, still maintain your, your foot firmly in, in the shell business aspect of your career. Uh, and I also understand you're still in demand for consulting work from, uh, from writers in New York City, is that right? Yes, and I love that, you know. I mean as vehemently as I am, or passionately as I am about politics, I am equally passionate about directing and video and theater and acting on camera. And I'm receiving from Florida, from D.C., of course, where I live most of the time these days, and from New York City. I have people I've worked with a great deal in New York who are, I hope I have time to say this, I went to New York with uh, having directed a great deal in, in, in D.C. Small theaters, large theaters, opera, musical theater, straight drama, Kennedy Center. And I went to New York expecting, you know, a band playing and flags waving and red carpet, and that didn't happen. So I happened into playwrights and composers who wanted their works done, and that's how I launched my New York career, by accepting, consulting, and mounting productions of un, uh, unpublished plays and musicals, and I'm having a real renaissance, if you will. People are, because uh, it's been a while, I, I must admit I've told many people, no, I've got, to, I've got to fix DC first, get back to me. Well, they're getting back to me, uh, and, uh, or I'm, at least I'm answering the phone now more, and I'm being asked to consult on a couple of musicals, and they send the music, and um and we put together a show, and, and uh, there's someone here, as a matter of fact, great play has just been sent to me by a great writer here, and I'm also working on that with the eye that we'll put together a production which I will direct. Uh, I mean, it's all great stuff, which on. Uh, we we kind of have to tie this up here, but uh, where can people go to learn more about your work? Well, as of January, there will be a brand new website for Marcello Rolando, and you can email me already at Marcello, M-A-R-C-E-L-L-O, at Marcello Rolando, two L's in both names, dot com. As for now, you can all email me at TheReasonableVoice.com. I'm sorry, TheReasonableVoice at gmail.com. And, of course, visit our Reasonable Voice website, TheReasonableVoice.com. And thank you. And I also understand you're on Twitter, too, that you've, uh, you've changed your Twitter handle recently. Oh, yes. Marcello TRV, is that right? Uh, yes, yes. 
that comes from the political guys who I have a staff of technical and political people and they, uh, one of them said, you need to change your Twitter. And so I said, yes, and they did it. I can't claim credit for it, but it, it, yes, you're right. You're right. And they were right. Oh yeah. I've been pressured to change mine too, because my MRP stands from railroad broadcast, which is a platform I've been around for a while, but Somebody wants advice and they choose wisely. <laughs> 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 yes, yes. So, uh, like my general friend, it's been a great pleasure catching up with you. Thanks a lot for the phone call. I was really surprised when you got a hold of me the other day there. And, and uh, it's always a great time catching up with you. Abs- back, okay? Absolutely, Casey. I appreciate it. Thank you. Bye now. Okay, so that, that, that's going to do it for us for now. Uh, we're going to toggle back over and do a Skype show with Ryan Hendrick in a half an hour, and then I'm going to be back here a little bit later to talk to the Heaven and Earth Oasis. So I'm busy today. So until then, on behalf of uh, my guest, Michelle Rolando, you listen to Casey Ryan on the cover of the forum. We'll talk to you in half an hour. Cut, print, wrap, and I am done. <laughs>